Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following episode of Bread for the People is brought to you by Side Hustle Bread, Long Island's handcrafted artisanal bread company. Side Hustle Bread is a family-run virtual bakery that's bringing the neighborhood feel back to Long Island one loaf at a time. Head on over to SideHustleBread.com for more information, upcoming appearances, and merchandise. My name's Jim Serpico, and this... Should I start with my name? Or should I start with this is Bread for the People? Do you like it like this? Welcome to Bread. Or do you like it like this? Welcome. Ready? Welcome to Bread for the People. Mine... Is there a script? Welcome to Bread for the People. I'm Jim Serpico. My next guest is a sourdough bread baker, a recipe developer. Her fans know her as Sourdough Enzo. Hailing from Ottawa, Canada, please welcome Rachel Pardo. Hi, Jim. How are you doing? Good. Thank you so much for making the time. I know you're extremely busy and you have a family and a lot going on in the house. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's always chaos over here. But there's always bread, so that's, you know, that makes Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of bread going on from what I can (laughs) see in that house. (laughs) I hope everyone likes it in the house. Oh, they do. Yeah. They know my role. I'm the baker in the the house. There you go. Mm -hmm. So sourdough Enzo, from from what I can gather, Enzo means the ruler of the home or winner. Um, So am I correct in in thinking that this is a play on breadwinner? You know what? To be honest, uh, unfortunately, there isn't. It was just, you know, a name that kind of had been floating around in my head for quite some time. Everyone names their starter, of course. Do you have a name sure. for your starter, Jim? I don't, actually. Oh, no. Okay, well, maybe we can think of one. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. If we could, by the end of this episode, that'd be a great yeah. idea. Yeah, I mean, I you know you're you're growing it. It's 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 uh, you know it's like your child. You're feeding it and you know taking care of it. And so I, I named mine Enzo. So that's uh, there wasn't anything behind it. The name doesn't really represent anything. It's just a name that was floating around in my head, and I really liked the sound of it. So I went with it. Okay, well, I'm sure you're aware of the meaning of it, right? The word I, Enzo? No, I was not actually. Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, there you go. I think it works either way. Uh, yeah. I I never really. I did have, you know, I started at the beginning of the pandemic as I heard you did, mm-hmm. and I had two different starters going, and one I would keep on the counter, and I did have a name for that one, and then the other, I would keep refrigerated. The one on the counter ultimately got really thin. And I could never get it back and it died. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm left with the starter without a name. So we definitely have to figure that out. Okay. All right. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a fun process trying to think of a name, you know. Why yeah. not? <laughs> so how old is your starter then? Did you, did you grow it from scratch? 
I did. Okay, good for you. This starter, so I was gifted some enzymes that would say that we're a San Francisco starter from a friend of mine who I work with named Liz Tallman, and she also gave me her her grandmother's starter, which I, is the one that, that I killed. <laughs> <laughs> but the other one I did grow from scratch using these enzymes, and it's, uh, it's pretty great. It's a hearty starter, and I produce a lot of bread from them. And after, you know, it's three years old. And, you know, three years into this, I'm no longer afraid to take vacations. I'm no longer having people come to my house to feed my starter if I'm away for... Oh, you managed to get people to come feed your starter. I did. That's impressive. Okay. (laughs) I had to train them. I was very specific in how I do it. I don't know if I do it the same way everyone else does it, but I keep a lot of starter because we bake lots of, lots, like multiple loaves. And that's what's intriguing to me about what you do versus what I do. Like we both make bread, but your bread making is soothing. It's beautiful. It's therapeutic. It's relaxing to watch your social channels. I'm all over the place and I'm making, I'm not scoring them the way you're scoring them. I'm slashing them. I'm sticking them in the ovens and I'm going to farmer's markets with, you know, a hundred loaves of bread. But I'm intrigued by how you, ultimately got into this at the beginning of the pandemic was it completely out of nowhere i mean i've always liked baking so it was just kind of a pretty natural and easy transition just to step right into into sourdough it was super intimidating to begin with i don't know if it was the same for you but i remember oh yeah just as the pandemic was starting and people were getting into sourdough i was like i was really nervous about it the idea of like growing a starter and making this bread and the idea of you know, taking two to three days to make a loaf of bread seemed like absolute insanity to me. But yeah, it's, yeah. Um, it, it kind of started off in that way. And that same, I just kind of took that step. I reached out to my little neighborhood community group and asked if anyone had a starter and was willing to offload some. And right. uh, so I, I took some from a neighbor and I have kept that alive for the last three years. That's amazing. So mm-hmm. f- for the people listening, what you do to the bread and the way you score the bread is very intricate. So like a lot of people listening to this may have tasted my bread and oh, bought it at a farmer's market, but we're in a completely different stratosphere here. You are creating art with bread. Like I'd almost be afraid well, I wouldn't be afraid to bring it to the farmer's market because they, they'd flip out about how beautiful it is. I don't know how you'd mass produce something like that. Oh, no, you absolutely cannot mass produce that. You know, when you're spending 20 minutes scoring a loaf of bread, like that, <laughs> you can't, you can't, you can't really mass produce it. It's, it's not possible. I'm, I kind of took a different path. You know, I'm, I need an artistic outlet. And so the baking is kind of my artistic outlet. So yeah. I actually used to make cakes as like a hobby. I was like a hobby cake baker, which really isn't healthy. So this is this is a healthier option. So um, I was able to channel my art into bread. So that's that's the thing. You were like when you were making these cakes, they were also intricate in terms of yes. the the um, art. Absolutely. All the icing details and piping and all of that. Absolutely. 
there's um there's a one bread I'm trying to see if I have it on my notes that you made that I saw. I mean, what is the longest you've ever spent scoring one loaf of bread? Scoring, I would say maximum maybe 25 minutes. But when I was doing the seed art, I don't know if you back in the day, probably like a year and a half ago, I used to do decorative seed art with like sesame seeds, like black and white sesame seeds. Wow. And I would spend like two hours like designing right. these little designs to kind of um, put on the bread. It, it was, it took too much time. <laughs> but it's it very fun. similar. It was fun. To what people do with sprinkles. I see that on, on cake, sprinkle art, which yeah. is pretty cool and time yeah. consuming. Mm-hmm. It certainly is that. But you did it as a hobby right out of the gate? Or did you know, like at what point did you decide to capture this on film and figure out how to do that and how to record quality sound? It doesn't sound to me like the sound's coming off the phone. It sounds like you've gone to some great lengths to capture professional video. You know, honestly, I just use my iPhone and I use a little like phone mount and I actually right. had a phone mount from when I was doing the, the cake design. So that worked out really well. I, I don't really have any professional equipment with the exception of this little Godox light back here, which allows me to like film at night. Which makes a right. huge difference because in Canada, the sun sets at 4 p.m. in the winter. Wow. Yeah. What about yeah. The, the editing, though? Like, I, I just watched a video that had a montage of about 20 pictures before it went into the, the meat of the video. I mean, that's time consuming. Yeah. I mean, I, I do. I spend a lot of time editing. Like, it takes a lot of time to, you know, do all the different cuts. And I usually try to, like, sync it to music as well. I want to create like an atmosphere. Like I want people to be able to sink in, watch and kind of absorb, absorb themselves in, in my videos. So I do spend a lot of time editing. I use editing software and yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't really know how that kind of first began though. It just, you know, oh. I saw that people were doing like the time-lapse videos and I thought, okay, that's interesting, but I kind of want to step it up a little bit maybe, it seems like yeah. people like watching the, the, you know, regular time filming, like scoring of sourdough as opposed to sped up. So I just, and I know that people like a lot of cuts. So that's, I just kind of went with that. <laughs> I always struggle with what it is I'm putting out on my social media for my bread channel because I'm, I'm selling my bread. So, you know, I also don't, because I'm also working my other job and doing all these things. Listen, you just said you spent 25 minutes scoring a loaf of bread, maybe not all the time, but you spend a lot longer, right? You're, Cause you're mm -hmm. creating art and the editing takes hours. Mm -hmm. So I'm always struggling with the balance of, do I try to create this beautiful video stuff, you know, or am I trying to do the finished product, which is cause you're, that's the other thing is like, did you think about from the beginning who the market is of the people watching you? I didn't initially. Honestly, I just kind of jumped in. I created an account. I thought, you know what? I might as well just start filming and see how it goes. And I, yeah, it's 
So you kind of fell into, and I might be wrong, but it seems to me that it's a lot of bread makers watching you and, and being amazed by what you're doing and maybe some casual bread makers. But, you know, where I'm trying to get the average consumers to get a loaf of bread. Yeah. I'm wondering if it's a different audience. I, I think it is a different audience. You know, you're selling your bread like it's it's you've got a hyper local location where you're selling your bread. So you're catering to a totally different audience. So I didn't really know what I wanted to do when I started off with um, creating my account, but it, it kind of evolved into into this art. And it's kind of something that can be appreciated, hopefully internationally. And my approach is not to sell my bread. You know, my, my approach is kind of going to, you know, grow my account. I see you've got a nice side hustle sign there. So this yeah. is like my side, this is my side hustle. And, you know, your bread, I, I guess maybe that's your side hustle too. Um, yes, it, but, yep. Yeah. Um, that's why it's called side hustle bread. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually the sign I take to farmer's markets. Oh, no way. Okay. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I approached my side hustle as being like, you know, my art and maybe I can promote various companies through my social channels versus actually selling my bread kind of more locally where yeah. you want to promote within a, a city or, or, you know, a small neighborhood farmer's market. Yeah. I mean, your, your art on bread is some of the most intricate I've ever seen. The one thing that, that you have inspired me to try and I haven't done it yet, but I do have the dark cocoa powder because I bake, I make a chocolate bread, but you use it in a whole different manner. And I love the contrast that, so you skin the bread with a dark cocoa powder, a fine cocoa powder. Mm -hmm. Not and a lot though. You don't want to use too much because it can affect the flavor. It can make it a little bit bitter. If it sure. would be perfect, I think for, you know, maybe a, um, a chocolate loaf, but you wouldn't get that well, same contrast that you do with the, with the yeah. white loaf. I mean, basically what I'm using it for is it almost turns it into a pumpernickel. So it's right. a completely different thing. Right. Okay. But if you're just brushing it and using, using it in a way that other bread makers use rice flour, right? Is yeah, what you're exactly. doing. Yep. It's just, it's purely decorative. My purposes. And I honestly, the amount that I use, I, I don't really taste it. Maybe I do, but I don't mind it. I don't really taste it. <laughs> well, it probably also, I bet you when you heat it, you're cooking it at that temperature in the oven for so long, and it's just on the very outside crust. But I, I feel like I could do some fast scoring that would have nice contrast and maybe mm -hmm. try that. Yeah. The for other sure. thing that I've learned from you, and I, and I also heard about it, I would say within the last month somewhere else, was pulling out a loaf of bread after five to seven minutes. Mm -hmm. I usually do seven minutes. That's the sweet spot for me. And then scoring it. Yes. So for our listeners who may bake bread or may not bake bread, explain why somebody would take it out of the oven and then slash a deep cut or start creating the art at that stage. So I don't actually recommend starting to create the art at that stage. I recommend doing the detailed, intricate design before it goes in the oven and then popping it in the oven for seven minutes, pulling it out after the seven minutes and then doing the, what's called, I guess, what I call the expansion score, which is 
to help preserve the design so that way it's not bursting in, in unwanted places. So it really helps to control where the, the dough is expanding, more so than if you were to do a slash before putting it in the oven, I have found anyway. So that I'm clear, it will burst where you cut it at the seven-minute mark. Yes. That's where you're sending the thrust of gases out. Exactly. So you could also, like, if you want to make sure, like, if we're not doing bread art, what we want, you know, that ear mm-hmm. that, that you could put on Instagram Absolutely. or f- for your customers, um, even though customers don't love the ear, because it doesn't make a great sandwich all the time. No, <laughs> but it looks really nice. <laughs> it looks nice in pictures. But I tried that last weekend and uh, it definitely helped because I don't know if it's, if it's the layout of my oven um, on each, each rack. So I, I, I can bake uh, about 15 or 16 sourdoughs at a time in, in three pans. And it's Wait, funny. Is that, be- in a, in, is that in a conventional oven or is that like a Nero kind of? No, I use a, 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 a micro bakery, um, a turbo fan okay. uh, convection. Oh, okay. So it's a, it's a five, it's a double, I have 10 pan, 10 pans, two, five pans on sitting on top of each other. And, uh, I go every other rack cause the sourdoughs expand so much, but wow. it, you know, sometimes in that oven, if there's five loaves on the pan, four of them will have the, the ear and look great. And the fifth one always bursts at the bottom. At the bottom. Yeah. That's funny. But I've never had that happen before. I have it happen often. Wow. But again, I'm not using Dutch ovens. I'm not using, I'm using, they're open and they're free formed. But when I did, I took them out and I slashed them all. I re-slashed, you know, I just did a simple cut and mm-hmm. um, they all popped up. So I'm wondering if for some reason it is different heat or something going on, but I don't know, but by doing that slash seven minutes in, it did force it to, to all come out there. So at the know. top, as opposed the to the bottom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I can't really speak to, you know, using those larger, you know, bread ovens, but um, I, I'm curious about the, like the, pro, like, is it easy to remove the bread and do that with one of those ovens? Because I know that the, the Dutch oven that I have, it make, it's very easy to just like pull it out, do the slash, and then bang, goes back in. No problem. Yeah. For me, I have a, I've got a pretty heavy duty, like six foot by four foot butcher block table right near the oven. Mm-hmm. And I'll literally put the, the tray, the full pan right on the, on the block and cut it and go back in. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It yeah. works. Awesome. I'm glad to hear that. I mean, I love it. I, I started doing this method, I think back in August of 2021. And on it, I, I, I haven't gone back. I can imagine. Yeah, it really works for me. Now, are you involved? I mean, I, I don't know the layout of Ottawa compared to like, there's got to be a downtown. And I, am, I have looked up some, some bakeries in Ottawa, but I don't know if you are close to these places because there's some good bread bakeries in Ottawa. Yeah, there are a few, but I mean, why would I go to a bakery when I basically have one here? <laughs> Got it. Yeah. 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 Even though it's a, it's a very different thing. I, th- I would think they'd come after you. <laughs> yeah. 
to give uh, classes. Now that's something you do too, right? I do like uh, one-on-one Q&As. I've considered doing a class, um, but I haven't jumped into that yet. I have all of these ideas and thoughts in my mind about how to kind of expand my side hustle, but, but you know, time is limited and it's hard to dedicate that amount of time to all of my ideas. <laughs> Do you think it's, how would you teach the scoring technique that you use? Is it, is it teachable? Can you teach a large group of people? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I know that a lot of people will message me and say, I'm not artistic. I can't do this. I've tried to do this. It's not possible. So maybe there is something to be said for some kind of natural, having that artistic quality, but I I feel like it could be taught. I feel like it's kind of like drawing and I feel like you can learn how to draw because that's what I'm doing. I'm drawing on bread with a blade. Right. I, I think that, you know, Perhaps if I did offer a course, you know, I, I think it's teachable. What Although about? I think some uh, people might disagree with me, but I, I do I, think it's teachable. I think it's teachable in the way that sip and paint classes are are a thing. That's right. Yeah. I think you can go on Shark Tank and <laughs> and and have a score and sip chain yeah. across yeah. the world. <laughs> you know, it, it, listen, man. Stranger things have happened. That, yeah, no, that's true. That's true. And then these designs that you, you score in the bread, are they all things that you have? Are they based on anything else? I mean, yes and no. Like, I'm really inspired by other bakers. There are a lot of other talented, like, bread scorers, artists out there that I, I sometimes draw inspiration from. A lot of it, you know, I, I when I first started, I actually would spend... The night before I baked the bread, I would like draw out the design that I was going to do. And I don't really do that as much anymore. I just kind of go in and freehand it. I might kind of scroll back through my feed to see if I'm inspired by anything. But when I first started, I would often just draw out what I wanted to put on the dough. Right. Mm -hmm. So the tools that you use, are you have some tools I don't have. I I do have Mm -hmm. uh, one of the wire monkey blades. I love their stuff and their products. You use that, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I have the full set. I you have, have the full set. 12 or 13 loms. Oh wow. Yeah. That, that's no, pretty really cool. Good. Yeah. And then you have some scissors. Is that what it is? Yeah. So I just, I wanted some really small scissors to be able to do those fine little, you know, square beads on the dough. Yeah. I use, I use little embroidery scissors for that. Oh, that's what they are. Mm-hmm. Aha. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then you use, they're not toothpicks. Scores, toothpicks. You can, yeah, you can use like a scribe. Yep. Right. So that's so just for, you, for creating those little, those little holes. Right. For you listeners, you should log on to Sourdough Enzo. You're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. You got it. All of them. Taste made? So... Um, yes, I guess technically I am a tastemaker, but I haven't been able to get it, dedicate as much time oh, um, to that platform. I, four is kind of my limit. It's a lot, yeah. right? Do you, do you use uh, any kind of, uh, social media programs to help you schedule? No, I really should though. That's a good <laughs> suggestion. <laughs> oh yeah. 
So you're manually like, all right, I got to go put this one up here. I got to put this one up there. Yeah. So I do my editing and my editing software, save it to my phone, and I just kind of upload it to the different platforms. And are you chasing it in like day of, I just finished this video, it's going up, or are you banking stuff? Oh my, oh, you should see the amount of content I have in my phone that I haven't uploaded. Oh my gosh. I, I, yeah, no, I have about 20 scores that I've got banked and I just, you know, again, it's like a, a time thing. You yeah. should definitely you look into those Hootsuite or, or Loomly or one of these uh, social media scheduling programs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, for sure. And I can't, a good idea. I can't believe you do it all off your phone. I, yeah. <laughs> I, I prefer to do it on my desktop and uh, keep my drives and post from there as much as I can. Wow. No, I've just, I've gotten used to my phone. I've gotten used to the editing on my phone. It just, it, I mean, it kind of works for me, I guess. I'm sure I could simplify it. <laughs> now you, you have, uh, you have some affiliates that you work with and I looked into this Forno. Is it a bread oven? It is a bread oven. Yeah. It's like a bread cloche. It's a, a cast iron, like semicircle basically with a baking stone, like underneath and it has a little door, like a little hatch. You can open the door and you slide your bread in and you can slide your bread out. And honestly, I love it for what I do. Like it's, it's, it's so perfect on so many levels. I'm not like lifting a heavy Dutch oven out of the oven. Every time I, you know, want to remove bread, I just, I just pull the tray out. And yeah, no, it's, it's fantastic. I, I love it. So the dome stays in the oven. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Yeah, it does. And the bottom pan is a stone. Mm -hmm. That's and you have a little, you have a little um, tray. I don't know what, um, it's probably stainless steel uh, tray that you put your bread on. And then you have a little handle that you can launch the steel tray into the, into the dome. And where does it get steam from? So for my decorative loaves, I don't inoculate with steam really yeah yeah i don't i find that usually when i'm doing the seven minute score just the the moisture from the dough is enough to kind of produce that lift that rise that's amazing and how does it change the texture of the crumb and the inside i mean honestly i i, I mean uh, I'm probably biased, but I think I make a really good loaf of bread. And I, I can't really speak to the, um, before I had the Forno, I was using a, a, a regular kind of Dutch oven and I just kind of tossed some ice cubes in periodically. But I did find that it caused that design to dissolve. And I didn't really want that. I, I That's don't, fascinating I, to I me. I don't think it changes the the texture of the, the crust or the crumb that much but one way that i compensate for it is that i actually leave it in the closed forno oven for probably around 30 to 35 minutes and then i only do a 10 minute uncovered bake okay yeah so it's just kind of in that low level moisture environment for a longer period of time yeah that's probably something mm -hmm. i've never done the i've never baked with a dutch oven ever so I'm not so familiar with when to uncover a loaf or how people really use it. And 
I guess most people think most people do use water in a Dutch oven, right? In some way. Yeah, most people do. I I think. Yeah, I just kind of stopped doing that because I find, found that it caused the design to disappear. That's pretty wild. I'd like to yeah. experiment with that myself this weekend. Why not? Yeah. I do recommend if you're doing that to do the seven minute score just because it's, right. I, I feel like that releases some extra moisture, which allows the, the dough to rise more. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So, so your goal right now is to just keep going and keep building the fan base and keep getting followers and yeah, maybe I make mean, some brand honestly, deals. Yeah. I, that's, um, for, for side hustle, you always want like a consistent source of income. So like, I'm pursuing YouTube. Things are kind of slow on YouTube right now, but that I feel like that would be the most consistent source of income. You know, that's uh, realistically and yeah, brand deals for sure. That's um, I had a partnership with Disney Plus like a couple months ago, and honestly, that was like one of my goals when I first started doing the seed art. I would tag Disney, and I'd be like check out my seed art, check out my seed no art. Way. And they actually, um, when they reached out to me, they linked my seed art. They're like, try to do something like this. I was like, oh my God, you found it. <laughs> so do you just, think, I always wondered about tagging people. I don't often tag people, but I do see people tagging other people. I have people tagging me. Mm-hmm. I don't have close to the amount of followers you do, but you know, maybe because of the podcast or whatever, some people are, are and I was wondering if that actually worked. So you think Disney came to you potentially because you were tagging them? Potentially, I think. Because they made reference to one of the videos that I tagged them in. So I, I don't know how else they would have found me unless they came across me just through one of my other videos. Right. Yeah. That's, that's so cool. And have yeah, you tried re- reaching out to agents that specialize in brand deals? Yeah, I've just started to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just trying to find like a social media like manager or something to help me with outreach because I'm not very good at outreach. Yeah, man. Um, so what are some of your favorite breads to bake? I know that you do. Uh, I mean, what, what stood out to me? I saw a, a brioche mm-hmm. that I don't, I don't bake those a lot. I'm very interested in that. Oh, man. When I stepped into enriched sourdough, that was like, it was a big step for me to go from like just standard sourdough loaf into like enriched loaves. And I'm so glad I took that step. Like there's so much to learn there and I'm, I'm still learning, but like it's, I love making enriched breads like um, brioche and challah. I like doing flat breads. Like I just like a variety. Like every weekend I try to do my standard loaf, but then I also try to you know, make some, make something else. That's, you know, yeah. uh, that, so that my, my kids will like, cause my kids, they, they like the, the soft fluffy stuff. I hear you. And that's something I need to work on myself. I make challah with, um, regular yeast. Mm-hmm. I don't use my sourdough starter for the challah. I should try that, but I, I do love making challah. The struggle I also have with challah is I find because it's enriched it browns quickly, and I always struggle with the color hmm. of being too dark for me. Yeah, I mean, I guess it would be like baking at a lower temperature for longer. Yeah, I struggled with that initially, too. I think it was just because I was baking it at the temperature that was too high. 
Yeah. And, some, and sometimes even if I lower it and it's not browning enough, I'll just kind of pop the temperature up for, you know, five or 10 minutes and then it usually browns. Right. And what's the key to flatbreads when you're working with uh, sourdough and flatbreads? I mean, I've made non. I haven't made pita yet. That is one that I kind of want to try. Um, I wouldn't really say there's any kind of key. You just want to make sure that it's proof properly. That's that's with all breads, of course. You know, with the non recipe that I've made, I like to use a little bit of yogurt. I find it gives it that extra little tang. Yeah. And another flatbread that I've made with sourdough starter is uh, it's called a misemin, which is like a Moroccan layered flatbread. It's kind of like a paratha. It is really, really good and really buttery. With that one, it's just, you know, making sure you're layering with lots of butter and oil. And are those bulk fermenting for a couple of days or are those quicker? The nong is fermented a bit a bit quicker. You could probably do it same day. It would be a little bit tight though. Um, the misemin actually doesn't really need any actual leavening. Like there's no fermenting or very minimal fermenting. So it's just kind of adding that sourdough discard in if you're, if you're looking to get rid of some kind of young discard. Oh, that's cool. You can toss it into that recipe. Yeah. And then I, uh, I, I think this weekend I'm going to try your bagel recipe. Oh, nice. Yeah. Oh, that's a good that one. looks pretty really cool. Like yeah, <laughs> they're really good. <laughs> yeah. Now, have you ha- uh, have you had New York bagels in your lifetime? No, but I have had Montreal bagels, and right. honestly, oh, Montreal bagels! Nothing compares to Montreal bagels. They are excellent. <laughs> oh man, I I don't know. I'm probably biased, but I you don't get better than a Montreal bagels. There's a lot of dispute about that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> New York. Are, are you a New York bagel person? <laughs> I just grew up with it, so that's okay. what I know. You okay. know, I, I just like pizza. I appreciate different styles of pizza from around the country. Uh, it's just different, you know, and it's yeah. all good. Bread is great. Right. All bread right. is great. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, um, I have a question. This is my last question. Okay. I like to ask my guests this, and I'm going to put you on the spot. Oh. If you had to recall one meal that was memorable in your lifetime. Can you tell me what that meal was, who you were with, and why it was so memorable? Hmm. Wow. That's a really, that's a, that's a good question. Um, so I guess, I guess one of the most memorable meals is One is sticking out in my mind, but I feel like I need to give it like a little bit of a a backstory. Um, So my mother is is Zoroastrian, and uh, this is a religion that kind of started in Persia, and then they kind of moved, were forced out of Persia and uh, uh, moved to India. And so as a part of the Zoroastrian religion, there's this ceremony that you're supposed to have when you're engaged to be married. and so my mother hosted this ceremony for myself and my husband. And in that ceremony, she served a traditional biryani with saffron and yogurt and and chicken and fried onions. And it was, oh, excellent. And it was enjoyed by myself, my husband, my parents, and all of my close friends and family. And it was just, it was a lovely, lovely event, lovely meal. It was, it was wonderful. That's amazing. Yeah. That's uh, 
that's what food's all about is, mm-hmm. is, is getting people together and sharing an experience and uh, earning that memory into your mind. So that's, that's a great story. No, thank Good you. stuff. Good stuff. Everybody follow Sourdough Enzo on all the social platforms. She really does something that I think will blow your mind. And I appreciate you spending the time with me. Yeah. Thank you so much for inviting me. I was, I was very excited that I received this invitation. I'm, I'm so happy to have chatted with you. Absolutely. I love chatting right, sourdough, of course. Yes, of course. All right. This episode of Bread for the People was brought to you by Side Hustle Bread, Long Island's handcrafted artisanal bread company. Side Hustle Bread is a family-run business that's bringing the neighborhood feel back to Long Island one loaf at a time. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to head on over to iTunes and rate and review this episode. Reviewing and rating is the most effective way to help us grow our audience. This episode was produced by Milestone TV and Film. I'm your host, Jim Serpico. Blessed be the bread, everyone. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.